To get more out of this podcast, head over to Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service where you can get more episodes ad-free and earlier than everybody else, plus bonus content and exclusive series by myself and more than 130 other top-tier educational creators, many of whom I've interviewed on this podcast. You can sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe. You can sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe. It not only helps support the podcast, it furthers our mission of building a platform that focuses on content that matters. Hey, and welcome to the Answers with Joe podcast. I'm Joe Scott. Today I'm talking with Pamela Newenham. Uh, Pamela is an entrepreneur and co-founder of the app Girl Crew, which is kind of like a social media app that's actually social. Uh, it's designed to connect people in the real world, women specifically, which honestly I think is something we're going to be seeing a lot more of in the near future. And we, we talk about this in the interview, how there seems to almost be a like a backlash against social media and a return to face-to-face interaction. Uh, we talk about the importance of that here, but we also talk quite a bit about just entrepreneurialism in general. Uh, she talks about how she started Girl Crew, how they monetize it, how she got out of her day job to do this instead, and you know why it's important to forge your own path, which is something I've always been a big advocate for. Uh, there's some good pearls of wisdom here, I think, and if there's nothing else, it gives you a, a glimpse of the life of an entrepreneur, so you can know what to expect if you want to pursue that path. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to jump right into it. So please enjoy this interview with Pamela Newenham. So you're in Dublin, right? I'm in Dublin, yeah. What time is it there? It is now 9 p.m. Oh, okay, it's not too late. I was, I was yeah. When I realized you're in, in Dublin, I was like, oh man, I hope it's not like super late for you over there. But then I was like, but she picked the time. So. <laughs> yes, no, 9 p.m. is good. Yeah. That's actually a good time for me too, because uh, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a night owl anyway. I think um, all entrepreneurs are night owls. You end up, you never switch off and you always are thinking about things the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like the hardest thing in the world for me is going to sleep at night. I'm the same. I've had, of late, I've had to, I've actually started listening to a lot of crime podcasts. Ooh. I was listening to business podcasts, but they were keeping me awake more because I would start getting ideas uh-huh. and I'd have to like jot down the ideas. So then I moved on to crime podcasts because I felt that's all in the past. It's happened. I can't do anything and I'm not really going to get any ideas from them. That makes sense. As long as it's not like keeping you up because you think somebody's about to crawl on your window or something. <laughs> no, no. That's where I thought you were going with it for a second. Because if I'm listening, I can't be thinking about business. True, true. Well, so uh, let me have you just go ahead and like um, tell me a little bit about yourself, what your background was, how this whole idea came about, and give me, give me your, whole, your whole spiel there. Yes. So I was very entrepreneurial as a child. <laughs> I had lots of businesses. My dad had a farm and I used to make lots of vegetable boxes because he would sell vegetables. And I would also grade all those vegetables for quality control. And then I used to make cakes and jams and sell them in a country market. Probably the best business idea I was ever involved in as a kid was with my sister and my cousin. My dad had a field next to a golf course and there was lots of really tall maize in that field. And all the golfers would hit their golf balls over, but they wouldn't be able to find the golf balls because the maze was so tall. And when they were harvesting the maze, we would walk behind the combine harvester 
and we would collect all the golf balls and then sell them back to the golfers. Ooh. And they used to get so angry at times because sometimes they would recognize their own golf balls if they had particularly expensive golf balls, uh. but we would make them pay to get them back. <laughs> you held a ransom. <laughs> yes. They're like a little, little golf mafia. Yes. I, so I guess I was like into making money, into trying out new things, into business things from a very young age. Mm. At university, I studied law. If I'm honest, it's because I watched Legally Blonde, the movie with Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> and I thought, that's it. That looks like great. That looks exciting. I want to be like in the courtroom, stamping about, asking tough questions. And I went and studied law at university, both in Ireland and in the United States as well, in Chicago. Okay. And while at university, I got really into college media, it's like student uh, newspaper, student radio station. And there was no student TV station in Ireland at the time. So I decided to set up Ireland's first ever student television station. Wow. And that's still going to this day. And I guess my passion of media followed through and I ultimately became a journalist. Mm-hmm. And... Initially, I was a legal reporter, and that after a while, that got kind of depressing because I was down the courts the whole time, and everything yeah. down the courts is very negative. Like you're report on, reporting on big trials or like bankruptcies or repossessions because it was after the global recession had hit, so it was especially bad in the courts. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to do more positive reporting, so eventually, I managed to convince them let me to move into business reporting. And I wanted to not write about the global financial crisis. So I carved out a niche for myself in technology. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about startups, entrepreneurs, innovation, and technology. And spending all day, every day, interviewing CEOs, writing about technology, innovation, and startups made me want to have a business again. <laughs> and that's how Girl Crew happened because I actually was trying really hard to think of business ideas. And I couldn't come up with any that I was really happy with. Mm -hmm. And then I met someone and they said, Pamela, you don't need to come up with the idea. You're really good at executing ideas. So you just need to find someone else who has an idea and help them execute it. Mm -hmm. And Elva had already had the idea for Girl Crew. And in fact, she'd already set up the Facebook groups because Girl Crew initially started accidentally and it was Mm -hmm. on Facebook. And so I approached her and I asked her, did she would she be interested in having a co-founder? And I thought I could help her scale global girl crew globally and turn it into a business. And she said, yes, let's cool. that definitely. Cool. So how does that work? Um, I, the, the whole co-founder thing, cause I've, I've heard that quite a bit. Um, you know, I have a little small business myself and I've thought about, you know, I need to bring somebody else on because it's just, it's just me and it needs to scale at some point. Um, how does it work to like, what kind of legal stuff do you have to go through? And maybe it's different over in Ireland than here, but like what, what kind of hoops did you have to jump through for that? Well, initially, funnily, we never, we didn't actually know each other, which is very rare for co-founders. And we have a third co-founder and we didn't know her either. So all three of us came together for the business, but we actually weren't friends beforehand. We didn't, you know, we hadn't known each other for years and we decided we would work together for six months and see if we could all get along with each other, see if everything went okay for six months. And we even went away for a long weekend. We hired a house and and all like lived together just to see like, could we work together, you know, long days and get along. 
And after six months, when we were still getting along very well and everything was going smoothly, we decided to register a company then. Okay, so it wasn't already like a legal entity before? No. Okay. No, it wasn't. I didn't know if it was like a, a thing that was already there and you had to add yourself or, or what. Um, no. There's a, a little startup community here in Dallas. I'm in Dallas, Texas. And um, I have not been a part of it really so much lately, but I for a while there, I was going to a lot of meetings and stuff like that. and. Um, they have this thing called Dallas New Tech where people go up and kind of pitch their, their ideas to get co-founders and investors and stuff like that. Um, anyway, I just always wondered how that worked because I've never quite gone down that path, but I know it's, it's an important one. I've seen, I've seen some people who've done that. That happens a lot in Ireland and I have been to a lot of those similar type of events in America as well, in San Francisco. Uh, I, I'm not, I actually don't know anyone who's found a co-founder that way. <laughs> even though I know it happens. Uh-huh. But most people I know have either chosen people they've previously worked with or people that they know or people that they've like known all their lives. So most of the time we were quite rare in not knowing each other. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm sorry, what was the name of the original girl crew? Elva. Elva? Elva. Okay. Yes. So, um, I always and like hearing about how Elva came up with it. That's even an interesting story in yeah, itself. Yeah, that's where I was going with it. Yeah. Uh, she one night really wanted to go out clubbing in Dublin, and all of her friends were busy. She had messaged them all, and everyone was either working late or they were doing things with their boyfriends or their family or they were away. And she felt she couldn't be the only person in Dublin whose all their friends were busy and she didn't have anyone to go out with. And her sister had the idea that she should go on the dating app Tinder and try to find people to go out clubbing, dancing with on Tinder. Mm-hmm. So she went on the dating app Tinder, but she changed all her gender settings. So she was a, appear as a man. So she'd mm-hmm. only appear to straight women on the app. And then when, you know, a straight woman came across her profile, it said, I'm not actually a man. I'm, I'm really a woman. And I just want some dancing buddies to go out with and let me know if you're interested. She thought maybe two or three people would be interested, but more than a hundred were. <laughs> and having to message them all individually to plan the night out was really complicated. Mm. So she created a secret group on Facebook and added them in. And that's how Girl Crew was started. But it was initially called Tinder Crew. Uh-huh. That's a and great story. After a while, people didn't really like telling others that they were in Tinder Crew. Uh-huh. So a, a name change had to be thought of. Yeah, there's other connotations there. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a really clever thing that she did to uh, yeah. to try to find new people. And it's and it's funny to me that she got such a big response. And that all I'm picturing in my head is some guy that's like, "Why doesn't anybody like me?" You know? <laughs> and, then, and then somebody, a female, goes on there and says, "Like, I just want to hang out." It's like, "Oh yes, please." <laughs> of course, I've also seen the kind of things that guys send girls on Tinder, so I can I can see why they. Yeah, lots of women said it was really refreshing for them to come across her profile among all the men, and then just see that it was another woman wanting to go out dancing, and she'd actually written on her profile as well. Maybe you could meet guys that way, like on a night out. Yeah, that's funny. So I'll tell you, like, um, I guess it was last night. I was kind of getting ready to to talk to you and. So I pulled up the website and I was kind of looking over it and I'm, I'm sitting in bed and my wife was next to me and she was like, what are you looking at? <laughs> girl crew. Right. And, uh, and I told her about, you know, uh, that I was going to be talking to you and what it was. And I, you know, explained it to her the best I could anyway. 
And she was like, oh, that's awesome. Because, you know, we're in our early 40s now, and most of the people our age have kids and families, and it's really hard to get people together. And, um, and a lot of her best friends, the people that she's really close to, have now moved away, you know. So she's always craving that, you know, experience of hanging out with with uh with other women and so when when i was showing her that she was like wow that sounds mm -hmm. awesome so uh i was it got me wondering though like is there a certain demographic that responds better to this for that reason yeah so we have a number of different types of people who use girl crew and where we would see it most popular is where if someone has moved to a new city yeah. and they don't know anyone in that city they would join to find new friends in that city or if they've grown up in that city and lived there all their lives, but all of their friends are settling down, getting married, having kids, and maybe they're the last person in the group to get married or to have kids. So they, they want more single friends to do things with, mm -hmm. or they're their first of all their friends to settle down and have kids and they want more mom friends, or sometimes all their friends are busy and they just need people and a wide, they just need to widen their circle of friends yeah. and get more people to do stuff with and to do it at times that suit them. Because often we'll see on the app, people will just post quite last minute things mm -hmm. saying, hey, does anyone want to go for drinks after work tonight? Or does anyone want to go to the cinema tomorrow night and see this? Mm -hmm. And often people will respond really well to kind of spontaneous last minute things. If that person is free tomorrow night, they'll go, yeah, I'm up for going to the cinema tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. they don't want to plan we we definitely see there's like lots of people who don't like planning things ages in advance you know they don't know what they're going to be doing in three weeks time and they don't want to commit to something in three weeks time but they're quite happy to commit to something today tonight tomorrow so this is actually really interesting because there's a, a guy who um is a follower of my channel and he kind of joined up on patreon and he's got an idea for something it sounds kind of similar to this, um, not so gender focused, but, um, but it was the idea of, Hey, I'm going to go hang out at the bar down the street. I'm going to get on this app and tell everybody that's on the app that I'm going there. And if they want to join me, they can't. So it's a little bit more spontaneous, like you said, than planning weeks in advance. Cause I'm the same way. If you ask me what I'm doing on Friday, it's like, Oh, I don't know, man. That's uh, such a commitment. I hate to tie myself down, you know? Um, but it's, and it may just be like the limited perspective I have that that happened. And then now I'm talking to you about this, but I, I'm, I feel like, uh, and I would love to hear what you think about this, but, um, you know, the, the whole social media thing happened and we all got super wrapped up in that and it was the, the new thing. And, and we all kind of retreated to that form of communication for a while. And I, I feel like we're starting to miss that face to face. You know, like that's, it, that's become this vacuum that has been missing from society and people are starting to gravitate back toward that. What we have found is that like over the last few years with everyone so involved in all different types of social networks and social media, but they actually weren't that social. It was just everyone on by themselves posting photos of themselves or where they're going or what they're doing. Whereas we wanted to make our app actually social, where people, it's all group chat, it's all group focused, it's group events where people are actually meeting up, they're talking to others, they're not going, ooh, look what I had to lunch for lunch today, or oh, look where I'm going, or I'm, I'm about to fly to this such and such an airport in this amazing place. We didn't want anyone to ever like log onto our app and feel bad and be like, oh, everyone's doing all this amazing stuff yeah. and I'm not. 
because it's just it's not a true portrayal of life and it's not that social either yeah but we wanted ours to be social we wanted everyone to be chatting among everyone so on our app everyone has a profile but you don't have your own wall so you can't be posting what you did you can only participate in group chats okay group events that kind of stuff uh, i love the phrase that um when we go on social media, we compare other people's highlight reels to our blooper reel. Yeah. And, I think and I, it's very true. I think yeah. so many people go on and they feel like everyone else's lives are amazing. And then they're thinking they're the only person who doesn't have an amazing life. But the thing is, everyone is just putting up the best things always. Like you're not going to, you know, put on Facebook that you're about to hop on the bus into the city center but you will put on Facebook if you're about to hop on a plane to Hawaii. Right. Yeah. You know? And then there's the opposite of that. There's the, the, the sympathy seekers that are like, Oh, everything is so tragic in my life. And I don't know why people don't like me. It's like, cause you're complaining all the time. <laughs> uh, maybe that has something to do with it. Um, so I mean, uh, it's expanded now into what? 44 cities. Yeah, we're in, so on the app, I think we're in 20 something cities, but then we have some other cities from the Facebook groups as well. So it is, I think it's, a, it's approximately 50 locations because for example, in Belgium, we just have a group on the app just for Belgium as a country rather than city specific. Some places uh, we didn't have enough demand to break it down city by city. So like, for example, on the app, we have, almost a thousand people in the group for Belgium. When that gets bigger, we'd break it down city by city. Right. Okay. Um, and do you have it broken down into subcategories according to things like lifestyle and age and that kind of thing? We have topic groups, but everyone and everyone around the world can join the topic groups. So for example, we have a topic group for career advice, for travel, for staying in, which is like good things to watch on Netflix, good podcasts, mm -hmm. good recommendations for cinema, a group for dating and relationship advice. And the reason why we allow people all over the world to join them, because you could be in Austin or Dallas or San Francisco. Other people might be in London or Melbourne or Toronto. And someone posts asking for dating advice. And it's nice to see all the various answers come in from around the world. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for career advice or people who are entrepreneurs who post looking for business advice because we have an entrepreneurs group. The only time it's sometimes a little bit difficult is in the staying in group because the odd time I've seen a really good recommendation for something to watch on Netflix. And then I go on and discover, oh no, that must be like Netflix US or that must be Netflix Canada because it's not on Netflix in um, Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. So, um, Let's jump over to sort of the, the business side of this. So you have this idea and it's growing. How are you, if you don't mind me asking, how are, how are you monetizing it? How is it becoming a, a business? No, I don't mind you asking at all. Uh, we make revenues. So we're not profitable right now, but we are bringing in revenues and we bring in revenues from several different streams. We make money from advertising because it's a niche audience. Uh, it's all women and like there's various brands that want to, you know, get access to women, but we're very selective in our ads. We want our ads to benefit our members. Mm -hmm. So if a company wants to advertise with us, they must be a product that our members really want and they must offer a significant discount on that product. Mm -hmm. 
Now, long-term, that's not really scalable. Uh, long-term, I think we're just going to have to ultimately show ads, you know, without every ad having an amazing discount. But right now, that's what we're doing. We also have a premium subscription service. So while the app is free for everyone and going to all the events is free and various things, we have an optional premium version where you have more exclusive events and only premium members can attend those events. And we charge 10 euro per month for that. Mm -hmm. And we also have big partnerships in place with companies like Dell, EMC and Microsoft. And we host events jointly with them to help women advance in their career, land their dream job and set up a new business. I was going to ask about that because I'm on your website and it has the one, I guess it's coming up in. Uh, uh, Girl Crew Pro, yeah, with Microsoft. Yeah, yeah with Microsoft. Um, that's really cool. Is that kind of part of the mission of, uh, of, of the business is to kind of help? We always women? wanted to empower women, help women, support women and across all areas of their lives. So while the app is mainly social and it's all about friendship and getting travel buddies or people to go for brunch with or hiking or to the cinema, you know, there is, we found that professional element is just as important. A lot of people want to help with their careers. They wanted to know, like, how do they ask for a pay rise? What would be the best way to their, approach their boss right. and ask for a pay rise? Like, we were, we were seeing that pop up a lot in the groups, especially the careers group. People were consistently asking, you know, I, I need to get a pay rise. Like, how can I ask? Or, like, what would be a good pay salary for my job? I don't know if I'm on enough, but maybe I, I'm on more than I should be on. Mm. Uh, and often people would have got job offers as well and they would like to secretly discuss them with people who would be clued in you know yeah so we started these career events where people could kind of get advice and learn from others and and they're always very honest career events we'd have a lot of big speakers come in but they have to say the highs and lows of their career they can't just be like oh it's all easy and i breeze through everything you know <laughs> they have to be honest uh. That's, I think that's super important. Um, there, there's an old saying, I'm sure you've heard it a million times, but you're, you're the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, there's some. I have heard that. that. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's like, I think it's important to, to surround yourself with other people that have, um, you know, similar mindset, similar goals kind of thing. Um, and, and looking at, looking at that, that seems like a good opportunity to get people together that, um, you know, are on that same wavelength and, and, you know, it's sort of the, the rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Definitely. And it, Somewhere it de in there like was a have... coherent statement, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> we would have regular entrepreneur dinners and I really like them so that they're all for female founders. And it's really nice time to be able to talk to other female founders and ask everything about, how did you select your board? Do you have advisors? Do you have a mentor? How did you get them? Have you mm -hmm. raised funding? How did you get that? What's, what's a decent valuation, you know? Mm -hmm. So we'd all share information and help each other out and talk with each other. And it's great because sometimes there'll be people ahead of you, but other times there'll be people behind you. Right. Um, well, talking about the entrepreneurial thing, I wanted to kind of get onto that topic at some point. So good jumping off point. Um, no, I, just to draw a little parallel here, I thought this was interesting. I did a little bit of uh, spying on you, or at least you, you had your LinkedIn link, LinkedIn link. 
um, in your email. So I went and looked there and I saw that, you know, you, you worked at, was it the Irish times? Was that the, yes, yeah. the Irish times? I worked at the Dallas morning news for, for 12 years oh. here in Dallas um, up until fall of 2016. So fairly recently. Um, I wasn't a reporter. I was, I was on the dark side. I was a, in advertising. <laughs> I was an advertising copywriter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was part of the problem. Um, <laughs> but you know, I wanted to hear more about like what caused you to kind of say, okay, I don't want to do this anymore and go back to your, as you said, entrepreneurial roots, entrepreneurial roots. It's a very difficult word. Um, because I mean, I kind of faced the same thing. I was there for a really long time and I got to the point where it was like, I got to get out of this cubicle, you know? And, and, um, so I was kind of, I wanted to hear a little bit more from your story about that. Like what, what was it that was maybe the, the catalyst that made you say, didn't want to do it anymore? I think it was a number of things. Definitely. So in 2014, I set myself two lifetime goals. My first lifetime goal was that I wanted to, at some stage in my career, win Technology Journalist of the Year. So there's these big journalism awards in Ireland, mm -hmm. and I really wanted to win, at some stage, Technology Journalist of the Year. And my second goal for my life was to publish a book. I wanted, you know, it's good for journalists to bring out books. Yeah. I wanted to bring out a book. And, well... By the time 2015 came, I had done both of those things. <laughs> I won Technology Journalist of the Year in 2014, and I had published a book. Nice. And so then I was like, okay, what will I do now? Oh, I'm done. I'll just sit here now. <laughs> and I'd already got involved in Girl Crew, like in 2014 as well. 2014 was a very, very busy year for me. Like I actually, looking back, I don't know how I did it. And I do remember at the time, I probably got around four hours sleep a night. And I remember ringing my parents being like, what am I doing? Like, why have I like done this to myself? <laughs> um, but I guess I was probably subconsciously ready for a change. And, and maybe... I was kind of motivating myself to do those things so I could move on. I'd have achieved those things and then I could move on from journalism and do something new. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it wasn't um, like some big event. It was just kind of a, a No. And I had been a journalist for, by the time I left, I'd been a journalist for eight years. You know, I had, and I had written about all different areas. I'd worked in a number of different sections of the Irish Times. And the Irish Times is the main newspaper in Ireland. It's the, the equivalent of the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. So I was like, I can't really go anywhere higher mm. unless mm. I move country and work right. for a publication abroad. Yeah. Well, um, I'd like to hear a little bit about the, I guess, pros and cons of, of going off on your own and, and doing your own thing. Um, I'm always advocating it just because I think it's better, especially with the, the changing technology and business landscape that we're going to be going through in the next 10 to 20 years to kind of have a little bit of control over your own destiny, as opposed to just being a line item and a spreadsheet somewhere, you know, um, yeah. I wanted to get your take on that. I think I'll talk about the cons first, purely because <laughs> everyone always talked to me about the pros. And so I never really paid much attention to the cons. And then 
now being a founder and running a business, the cons are very real. Mm -hmm. uh, the first thing is salary. I took a massive pay cut, a massive pay cut. Uh, when I was a journalist, I had way more money than I do now. I went on a lot of holidays. And when I did go on holidays, I was still paid while I was on holidays. Right. That was brilliant. Mm -hmm. I haven't been on holidays in over a year. None. And I used to go on holidays like every few months. Uh, the last time I was on a sun holiday, I think was two years ago. So that, that's definitely been a big change. Uh, to have much less money. I, I can't now go into shops and go, oh, that's a nice handbag or they're nice shoes. I'll get them. No, I, I can't do that, unfortunately. I just about meet my bills every month and have food to survive on. So that's, that's definitely a massive con to like reduce your pay and not have any holidays. Mm -hmm. And then the other big con is I've no one above me. So as, a, as an employee always working for a newspaper, if there was any problems, I could just say it to my boss. Oh, there was a problem at my pay slip or my pay, or I'm due tax back, or oh, this has happened or that has happened. Now I have no one. I, like if something happens, I have to figure it out. I have to deal with everything. There's no one above me who I can go to and say, oh, hey, can you sort this? And not only that, but I have everyone coming to me. <laughs> you got to fix all their problems too. <laughs> yes. So that, that has been hard and having to learn so much stuff. Like I know lots of stuff about tax now. So I have to do all, all the payroll for all employees. I have to do all the company accounts. I have to file the tax returns. And I never knew any of that before. So I've had to learn all of that. And I've had to learn a lot of legal stuff as well, be it employment contracts or data protection, or even just writing things like our privacy policy. So that has been a big learning curve. But then the pros, I'll go on to the upsides now. It's great being your own boss. If you have to, if something comes up, like for example, if I have to go to a dentist appointment, I can just go. Yeah. I, don't have to, I don't have to get permission to go to my dentist appointment. So that's really good. Or if I, if I want to work really late and then sleep in and come in late, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I can you know, work to two. I, I like often I've, I've kind of changed now, but for ages I was wanting to work to two, two, three in the morning and then kind of sleep in and thing. I was like definitely a night owl, which I would have never been able to do in my old job. I couldn't right. have just been like, Oh no, I worked really late last night. So I'm sleeping. Like I had set hours. Uh, so that's a big pro. And then it's just an adventure. I've traveled loads, which, you know, that has been really exciting. So I went to South by Southwest this year <laughs> in Austin and I was there last year as well and being a startup founder like that was how I was able to do that I probably would have never gone otherwise but I had an amazing experience there and I've done a lot of pardon so it's a madhouse it is so it, it, it's basically a giant party that was a mm. uh, that was great but I did meet a lot of people and we had a stand actually we were very lucky because the Irish government and this like uh, kind of state body in Ireland called Enterprise Ireland they helped us out and so they ensured we had free Guinness at our stand oh, the whole time yeah so that was good uh, but I've just I've got to travel a lot so that has been brilliant I, I've been all over Europe and loads of places in the United States as well all because of Girl Crew mm. so they're the pros 
What, what came to mind when you just said that they, they supplied you with Guinness? I was like, yeah, because it's really hard to find beer in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to like get lots of people. Just everyone wants free right. drinks the whole time at I'm that. Kidding. Well, it's, it's funny. Some of the stuff you just said really mirrors my experience too. I, I, um, I didn't actually transition directly out of my job at the, at the paper into this. I actually um, moved into a startup. Could you call it a startup? A very small business. Let's just call it that. Okay. That, uh, that was YouTube focused. And so I was like managing YouTube channels for big companies and stuff like that. But um, it was definitely a culture shock after being for a decade at, at this big company that had an IT department, you know, um, I, if I had a problem with my computer or something, I would, you know, go to my boss and be like, Hey, my computer's doing blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, fix it. And I'm like, Oh, this is on me now. I don't have a whole department to turn to, you know? And I think that kind of went ahead and primed my, my mind for that sort of self-reliance, just take care of it yourself. You know, there's, there's no net. You got to figure this out. Yeah. And so when, when I did finally, you know, kind of jump out of that and start doing the, the YouTube channel full time, um, you know, I was kind of already in that mindset, but it's, it's a funny thing that you said, like, um, you know, working at, in a corporate structure, it was like, um, you got to go ask for a raise. And of course you got to defend that and you got to argue for it. Um, I, I could, I could bust my butt and do an amazing advertising thing and get, you know, uh, I, I can make a whole lot of money for the company and that doesn't necessarily translate to, you know, my salary in any way. In fact, my salary didn't go up for years, but once I started doing YouTube full time and I did take a pay cut, just like you said, I, I, I took a pay cut to kind of have that freedom at first. And then, um, I have a few different revenue streams through, um, sponsorships, Google AdSense and that kind of thing. And what's, what's been the most mind blowing to me is as the channel grows, all those revenue streams grow. So it's like, I don't just get a raise. I get three raises, you know, and, and there's no cap. There's no limit. Like it just kind of keeps piling up. And you can make money when you're asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't sleep much, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) trying to make myself sound rich or anything there, but um but it's like there's there's that potential like i have that control that i didn't have before but also like you said um it it's all dependent on me consistently putting out youtube videos so i can't just skip out on a week um i can go uh like i actually i'm going to be out of town next week at a at a convention um, and I'm trying really hard this week to get caught up and like have some stuff that will come out while I'm gone. So, you know, like you said, there's no paid holidays. There's no paid vacations. It's just, if, if I'm not working, then I'm not, I'm not making any money. So that's a lot of pressure. And um, every once in a while I find myself just kind of sitting there staring at the wall. Like, I don't know how to get all this done. I guess I'll just be out till four in the morning, which my wife really loves. But um but no, I, I, yeah, I just want to say I totally mirror what you were you were saying there. It's it's a similar experience, and it's a roller coaster the whole time. Yeah. You, you have like really good days, and then you're like everything has gone great, and then the next day you're like everything is going wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and then next day up again. I have days where like I feel like wow, I got so much done today, and then the next day it's like I did nothing. 
Yeah. I was working all day long and I achieved nothing, you know? And I feel like that's just some organizational stuff I've got to deal with and, and work out myself. But um, I need to get a life coach or something. Or maybe I just need to get a life. <laughs> um, but it's, it's definitely something that I've been very bullish on. And I, and I think it's important, even if you have a job, to have something on the side just to have that safety net. You know, just so that I, I found when I was when I was still working and I, I had the, the YouTube channel, I had my little side business, Canker Boy, but uh, it w- when there was a layoff, which there was one all the time, <laughs> um, it wasn't, I wasn't, you know, wetting my pants. It was kind of like, well, if I have to, I've got these other things and I can just double down on that and, you know, it won't be the end of the world. Um, and I feel like that kind of put me in a position of being able to negotiate a little bit better because it was like, well, I got, I got a fallback if I need one, you know? Um, anyway, that's, that's something I've been trying to, to push quite a bit. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you on here to, to hear, you know, experiences from, from different people and hear how you, how you pulled it off. Um, anything else you wanted to, to talk about? No, I think I, just as you're sitting there, I think everyone is in the same boat founders. I think everyone has that. Mm-hmm. And it's mad because the more people I, I would say that to, they just say, I feel the exact same. Uh, and actually, I don't know if, if you jumped straight into the startup from your job, but I guess you had the YouTube channel income, but we, none of us just, we didn't just, give up our jobs one day like it was a slow process yeah so I was actually working part-time I cut back my hours at the newspaper to part-time and then I was working part-time with girl crew because initially I was kind of double jobbing I was doing lots for girl crew and then lots but my like full-time paid job let's say was with the newspaper but then I was doing lots for girl crew on the on the side and then I went part-time paid with the newspaper and part-time paid with girl crew Mm -hmm. and then eventually full-time paid with girl crew and my co-founders you know we they cut back as well and we all it was a slow process because we were trying to raise money from investors because we weren't bringing in enough money to like have employees and all of that Mm -hmm. so when we got a decent chunk of money from investors we were able to kind of make the leap then to go full-time yeah i'm just curious um after I've had my experience at, in the newspaper here in the States, like what, what, what's the state of the newspaper industry there in, in, in Ireland? Is it, is it as dire as it is here? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's, they're battling really hard because advertising revenues are down massively. Yeah. And obviously they're all trying paywalls as well and subscriptions. Yeah. Uh, but that is really hard as well. And so many people are getting news now from like Facebook or Twitter, other places like they used to be the case. You would go to the news website and then you would just see all the news stories. But now people aren't doing that as much. They're just getting, having news pop up in their various news feeds. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a really rough period that I was, I was working there. Cause I mean, it was, I mean, there, there were times when every six months there was a massive layoff. And, and by the time I left, the department that I was in, I think maybe had 15 or 16 people in it. When I started, it had 50. It yeah, took up a whole floor of the building when I first got there. Everything got way faster as well, because when I first started, I would have a lot more time for articles. I could interview 10 people for an article. I would think long and hard about having a really good intro, a really good closing. And by the time I left, they were just like, bada bing, bada boom, get it up. Just get the story yeah. up. Just put up five lines 
on the site and then you can expand and expand it. And they just wanted everything really quick and just kind of thrown up as fast as possible. And so I didn't have time to think of a really good intro. I didn't have a time to mm -hmm. interview 10 people for the piece. And that, that was kind of hard because you kind of at times nearly feel like a monkey. Sure. You know? Yeah. It was just all about speed. Um, and then uh, we, because we were quite a serious newspaper and what we struggled with is towards the later years that I was a journalist, everyone was wanting all that sensationalist news. Mm -hmm. Like they were wanting all the celebrity stuff and like, but like Please. any kind of celebrity stuff. Yeah. Clickbait kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Whereas we weren't kind of going down that road, which was, you know, which was hard because it was definitely hampering us, but we didn't want to go down the clickbait road. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering how, if, how much you experienced the, the Buzzfeed effect, you know, yeah. everything has to be a list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's got to be discouraging, especially when or you're... Or a quiz. A list or a quiz. Or, yeah. <laughs> which, which Game of Thrones character? Are you, you know? um, that's got to be frustrating when you're a professional and, and an award-winning professional doing something that's, that's really important and matters to you and, and it's just kind of like it gets, you know, bastardized into this, you know, crap. Anyway, I have strong feelings about this for my own <laughs> But, no, I agree. Um, it is hard. Yeah. Well, um, I'll let you go. I know it's getting kind of late where you are, but um, I want to thank you for, for doing this and I wish you all the best. Thank you for having me on. It was really great talking to you. And where, where, should, where should people go if they want to find out more? Everyone should go to girlcrew.com and they can sign up to our platform on desktop so they can have a sneaky tab open on their computer at work, you know, and flick back and forth. Or they can download the Girl Crew app from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. And it's free and we're in the United States and we're slowly rolling out to more and more cities in the U.S. Cool. Uh, well, thanks again, Pamela. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for listening to the Answers with Joe podcast. If you found this through the YouTube channel and you are not subscribed on iTunes or Google Play, I encourage you to do so. I'm going to be coming back with interviews and repeats of old videos just like this all the time. And if you found this on the podcast player, then uh, know I have a YouTube channel on, uh, well, on YouTube. Just do a little search for Answers with Joe and you'll find all kinds of fun science and comedy stuff to keep you entertained and thinking about cool stuff for the rest of the week. And you can find this in all my podcasts and all my videos at AnswersWithJoe.com. And if you enjoyed it, a nice review in the iTunes or Google Play Store goes a long way. And of course, word of mouth means everything. So any, anything you can do to help get the word out, I really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. I will catch you next time. Have a good one.